0: Thank you everyone for joining us for another one of GBA's trade policy podcasts. I'm excited to be joined today by Che English, a new guest of the podcast. Che, thank you for being with us.
1: Thank you for having me, Kevin.
0: Yeah, I appreciate it. I'm really excited for the conversation. So, Che uh, is at BGR and recently came over from Terry Sewell's office where he was Chief of Staff and so obviously done, did a ton of work on the House Ways and Means Committee, lots of trade work, lots of tax work. Uh, I believe you were also responsible for a lot of uh, um, Representative Sewell's duties as Chief Deputy Whip and some of the coalition work as well. So uh, we appreciate it. We appreciate you taking the opportunity to share your insight. Now, to dive in on some trade issues, I think what we wanted to cover here is some of the some of the news that's been moving around possible TAA, that's Trade Agreement Act or GPA reform in the procurement space. And then uh, also so listeners are aware, we're going to talk about China a little bit after that and then also the WTO and, and what the suspension of the Boeing Airbus uh, tariffs means for all of us. So, Jay, I'd like to get your sense on uh, the Trade Agreements Act. Just so you're aware, GBA uh, has a American supply chain working group. Where we've been doing a lot of work on procurement and supply chain issues mostly focused on Buy American policy and the the Biden uh, um, administration's Buy American EO. But many of our members really are less affected by Buy American issues and and rely more on the exemptions that are are available from the Trade Agreements Act because they hail from uh, countries that are traditional allies of the U.S. in the EU, Japan, so trade agreements with the United States. So I'd like to get a sense of, do you think that efforts to issue waivers under the TAA are real. Um, We saw a letter this week um, from 13 Senate Democrat offices asking for the Biden administration to waive the TAA uh, for contracts that are coming out of the most recent stimulus bill. That's a real threat and one that we're going to be wanting to address. But, you know, any intel or insight you have as to the chances of that happening?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, this is de- definitely a, an issue that's at the forefront of a, of a lot of people's thinking, particularly members of Congress as it relates to um, trying to shore up uh, American supply chains and, and also um, as we're transitioning from a um, pandemic ravaged economy to a, a recovery mode economy, just trying to figure out how do you bolster American workers and, and American industry. And so I, I know that President Biden really wants to use kind of the full force of current domestic um, preferences to support American workers and American jobs. So, I mean, I I, I think, it should, you know, it's a real concern, right? I think it's a real issue. It's a real conversation that is happening out there, um, whether they they move forward or not with terms of bread and nose exemptions um, under TAA um, is yet to be seen. But I do know that there's just a lot of conversations, both at the administration level and also at the congressional level, about how do you use what's already in place to ensure that American companies and American workers, um, and however you want to define it, are, are really able to participate in the economic recovery and ensuring up our supply chain along the way. So, um, so interesting conversation, interesting topics out there. I'm not sure exactly what's going to happen, but I do know it's on everyone's radar.
0: Yeah, so a lot happening in this space by American issues TAA. One of the things that falls under the TAA is the General Procurement Agreement, and we've seen separate efforts outside of this push to waive TAA for these new um, these new stimulus deals to possibly revisit or reform the GPA. Do you have a sense that that's something that our allies would really stand for? I believe it's a multilateral instrument; you have to agree to it. What would the U.S. be able to do to get somebody to come to the table and, and reopen the GPA?
1: Right. I mean, so so here's here's the challenge, right? The U.S. really wants to re-engage with our allies around the country, around the world on, on the trade front. I mean, they really feel as though a lot of those relationships have, have been decimated under the previous administration. And so they're trying to figure out ways or entry points in order to engage them and revitalize those relationships. And I do think that if they were to try to go in and reform GPA um, right off the bat, then you would force, a, you would face a lot of resistance from our natural allies. So I don't know if that's going to happen right off the bat. What what a lot of. Um, um, what may happen is that the administration may try to engage in, in, in establishing some new FTAs um, with, with our allies and 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 maybe have that as an entry point um in terms of having conversations around GPA. But I don't see a wholesale reforming of GPA because I think that there's a lot of landmines that could potentially step on that may ruffle the feathers of, of a lot of our allies who they really want to engage, re-engage with. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that makes sense, and we we certainly have been working with the administration, the previous administration, and and now with this administration to try to get some new free trade agreements over the finish line. US-UK, USEU's out there, obviously, um, and many of those provisions would be beneficial. Um, stepping back from kind of the pure trade issues into into some trade issues that also have geopolitical um, implications, and and you know the top the top geopolitical question that. Uh, I think is on everybody's mind, has been for a while now, is U.S.-China relations. And, and the news this week is, uh, yeah, it's, it's the <laughs> elephant in the room.
1: It's, it, it's, That's, it's that, the, that is putting it
0: mildly, right? <laughs> it's the five <laughs> elephants in the room. <laughs> um, yeah, but, you know, the most recent news that, and the, the event that we're all kind of focusing on right now is that there's going to be a meeting in Alaska between trade representatives from both China and the U.S. It seems from reports that China and the U.S. are coming to this meeting with, with different goals. China looking for a full set reset from a full reset on Trump administration policies, and the administration looking to potentially identify ways to work together on on a few things while leaving a lot of those policies in place, like for instance, Section Three Hundred One tariffs that a lot of our companies care about. So, what do you think is going to come out of this meeting, and and uh, what do you think we should be looking for?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I think that the Biden administration has has made it clear going into the meeting that it wasn't a um, strategic conversation or strategic meeting, as as China was trying to put it. That it was that um, they were going to go in from position of strength uh, to to really try to. Um, Show China that the the Biden administration is going to engage with them directly. That that there are a lot of issues that had that may have been ignored under the Trump administration. That the Biden administration is really going to be headstrong, going on from human rights um, to to trade to um, you know being a good actor on the world stage. So. You know, I see this kind of as a it was the starting gun at the gate where where we could begin to to engage with China in a very direct way and, and and kind of renormalize some of those relationships. So I, I don't see a lot coming from this. Uh, Secretary Blinken and um, advisor Sullivan have, have all but said that that this was going to be just a conversation and nothing more. Um, so you won't see kind of the the Anchorage Accord uh, <laughs> coming out of this conversation. Um, you know, I I think the U.S. would just lay out. Their priorities um, lay out where the administration is going to be at on a lot of these issues, and 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 then go from there. And to your point earlier, I do think that China um, wants to view this as kind of this high level strategic um, talk, and, and they're going to walk away with uh, you know a a understanding from the U.S. as to how we're going to move forward our relations. But that's not the case. I really think this is it's a starting starting point, a starting of the conversation, um, and we'll have several subsequent conversations following this one.
0: Hmm. Now, Mm -hmm. I'd be interested in your thinking on how this is going to affect the Hill and and what Congress is wanting to do to, to react to China now. The, the number of bills that have focused on China we've had last Congress and this Congress are are more than my tracking software can track. <laughs> um, there's There's uh, been just a ton of focus here, obviously, but we know, uh, you know, Senator Schumer, n- newly minted majority leader, Senator Schumer, yeah. uh, wants to focus on China early in this Congress. He wants to do a, a China Week that I believe he's hoping will include bipartisan legislation sometime in April. Hearings in Senate Finance and elsewhere have already started towards this um, where do you see that going and how does this, the, the more diploma, diplomatic take that the administration is is having to deal with, how does that influence it?
1: Yeah, I, I think they're all part and parcel of one another. Um, to your point, Senator Schumer has been very clear that he wants to put together this package of bills um, sometime in April that are really going to address American competitiveness as it relates to China. And I know he has his um, 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 Every Frontiers Act Um you know that 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 he's been really working on, and right. so, you know, I I see it being a part of the the same overall strategy of really showing the U.S. being proactive and forward leaning on the China issue, um, and trying to enhance our competitiveness. I think you will get bipartisanship um, both in the House and the Senate. Nobody wants to be viewed as as weak on China. Nobody wants to be viewed as the the you know the member or the senator that was not. I'm figuring out how can the U.S. better compete with China. So you, I think you will see some level of bipartisanship, and I think that you know again it just plays right into the administration's diplomatic reengagement with with China.
0: Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. You mentioned the frontiers that you know worth tracking. That bill it's it's one that we did we did manage to get into the system, and um, it, it includes a lot of a lot of uh, appropriations and support for various industries that have been deemed as important in our kind of arms race with China, for lack of a better word. So there, there's R&D money there and, and other sorts of money for, um, you know, things like sensitive technologies and criti- critical uh, technologies and so forth. That is one approach to the China question. And I think that the one that bothers our members the most or, or keeps folks up at night is more so um, le- less on investment into certain industries, but more so on what we call sticks. So like Requirements that you cannot do business with China, you know, export controls, um, requirements that your supply chains have to move out of China, requirements that your supply chains can't contain um, things that ha- that are from uh, Chinese origin, and so forth. So, yeah. do you think that this series of bills in April might go more heavily on on some of those more concerning aspects, or or do you see it as as Senator Schumer, Majority Leader Schumer, focusing more in on on how to support American businesses to compete?
1: Right, I mean, well, I mean, ho- hopefully the latter, right? Where where it really is, um, how how do you how do you support and how do you encourage American American businesses to, to be able to compete as opposed to penalizing, um, you know, I guess coordination or um, or working with China. Um, you know, I I think that. I think you're gonna have to see a little bit of that in order to get bipartisan support um, from, from Republicans, meaning that you're gonna have to see some of that um, promoting American businesses and making sure that American businesses have the tools and the resources they need to compete. Uh, but I mean, but you do have some, um, some members uh, who are tend to either be more progressive or in that vein who, who want to see a level of you know penalization for, for that type of engagement with with mm-hmm. with China. So I think it's gonna have to be a balancing act. If you really want a true truly bipartisan bill, you're gonna have a little bit of bold. Um, I am actually a big fan of the carrot more than the stick. Um, you know, I think if you can incentivize kind of you can <laughs> you, you, you should incentivize the kind of behavior that you want to see. Um, yeah. and, and you know, hopefully, Senator Schumer, Majority Leader Schumer, will will, will be in that same vein, and I, I think you'll see a lot of that, um, that a lot of that being talked about over the coming weeks. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yeah.
0: Well, we, we certainly agree, uh, and a big part of our push is trying to show policymakers the the benefits of of a more carrot based approach to, to keep things at a very high level. Speaking of China and how the administration, how the Hill is approaching China. One of the other issues that's been sitting out there and and one of the issues that I'm sure China wants to bring up at the meeting we've been discussing is the existing Section 301 tariffs. And I'd like to get your thoughts on how you see Biden leveraging those in these discussions moving forward.
1: Yeah, I mean, so, you know, I think everybody's asking whether the Biden administration is going to come in and do a wholesale reversal of the Section 301 tariffs. Um, that, that Trump imposed on China recently or over the years? And, I mean, I think the answer is no. I mean, that they made it very clear that while they do not necessarily approve of the heavy-handed approach that the Trump administration used as it relates to implementing those tariffs, that they they are leverage point and they do bring China to the table. And so I, I know that USTR right now is kind of undergoing an internal review about, you know, the, the tariff, you know, the tariff process and you know how they were implemented, and maybe figuring out ways to um, implement a, a new exclusion process over the next several months um, for for entities that that want to apply for that process. But I don't, I don't think you're going to see a wholesale reversal of those. I, I I do think that it does bring China to the table, um, and it does provide a nice leverage point. Um, and, you know, and 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 while I, I favor the carrot approach, it is a big stick uh, and one that. That does get a reaction um, out of China and, and has, you know, um, I think, you know, far reaching potential implications. I, I think overall, too, and, and just knowing, um, knowing Catherine for, for for the past years, Catherine likes, she likes the approach of being pragmatic when it's tariff implementation. Um, she wants to engage Congress more um, in that way. Um, I know Chairman Neal of the House Ways and Means Committee feels as though China, I mean, feels as though, the committee, had, Congress has a really big role to play in terms of t- tariff implementation. So I know that um, Catherine feels the same and she really wants to engage Congress on that going forward.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very interesting. I, I think that with the Biden administration coming into power, there was this thought in the business community that there might be a chance here to get some relief on tariffs specifically. I mean, these Section 301 tariffs, but then also Section 232 tariffs. You know, steel and aluminum tariffs have hit a lot of our members. Um, I think that there's implications for those tariffs, not just in the steel industry, obviously, but on everyone who relies on the steel industry uh, upstream, which is a, a significant portion of the economy. Um, but what we're seeing from the Biden administration on that as well is that there, there's a lot of support for the Section 232 tariffs and and what they do for the domestic steel industry and and you know u- good union jobs and, and, right. and uh, those factor in there. So, I'd like to get your your thoughts on if you see any more daylight, maybe for for some movement there.
1: I mean, I mean, to to your point earlier, you know, there's arguments made that those tariffs have really supported and bolstered up good union um, jobs here in America and and the domestic steel production and aluminum production. And so I, I think that. You know, it, you face an uphill battle um, in, in that way because uh, President Biden is definitely—he's a, a union guy, um, mm-hmm. and, and he's very sensitive to union arguments. And so, um, it, while they, are, I think, are willing to engage in conversation around those tariffs, I think you face an even um, greater uphill battle when you talk about reversing or undoing some of those.
0: Mm-hmm. Well. It- our read is, is in line with that, so we'll continue to work and continue to monitor tariff uh, policy moving forward. But but with that, there has been some good news on the trade front uh, recently, and so we, we can move over to Europe and talk about the Boeing Airbus dispute and the WTO. Big news for, as I mentioned earlier, big news for many of our companies that the Boeing Airbus tariffs have been suspended. And I, I think everyone involved is hopeful that that means that they're not coming back and that there will, there will be some sort of an agreement reached between now and then. We're recording this on a Thursday. Catherine Tai just went through the Senate at USTR yesterday on a 98-0 vote, which is wonderful. So that's the new USTR trade representative Um, and is a former Ways and Means uh, Trade Council. So somebody we've all worked with very closely. What do you think this means for the, the U.S.'s future engagement with Europe and with the WTO more specifically?
1: Right, I, I, I think, you know, ta- Catherine has a lot to do over the next four months in <laughs> order to, um, you know, be, because I mean, this is, you know, you're faced with a difficult challenge. If you don't come up with, re- with the resolution in four months and you're going to have to potentially reimpose the tariffs. And I, I don't think anybody wants to go back and back in that direction as that's counter, that's productive and counterintuitive. And, and so I, I think what it signals to our allies is that. know we the u.s really wants to engage with with the eu and the uk in a a very meaningful um direct kind of way i I think it's all a part of biden's administration of really coalescing around our allies and and making sure that they know that the u.s is back on the world stage and and that we really want to engage with them and i think that that was to me um viewed as an overture um in in that vein that we really wanted to engage directly with them so you know hopefully over the next four months um, Catherine figures out a way to 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 come up with a permanent resolution, um, and, and I think that she, I think, going to be a priority of hers because I think that you know not just this particular dispute, but I think that it really does signal um, that the U.S. really wants to engage directly with with our former allies um, on the issues of trade.
0: Right. Yeah, I think that's right, and. You know we have this hopefully we can get to a permanent solution here we have the u.s getting out of the way on the appointment of the next director general of the wto and allowing that to move forward you know the open questions at the wto really center around what kind of reforms are the u.s going to require in order to get the appellate body up and running again and i don't know that the administration sees that as a short-term priority or a medium-term priority um you know currently they're continuing to block uh judges from being appointed to the ab- appellate body but do you- I'd be interested in your thoughts on if uh, you think the administration sees it as a priority and and if so, what kind of reforms you think they might require uh, in order to move forward?
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, it's just an all candor. I'm not sure that it's a short term priority for the administration. I, I see it more as a medium and long term priority for the administration. I think that you're going to see a lot of focus on, you know, um, shoring up the American economy over the next several months and um, figuring out how do you finalize some of the, the lingering, as you mentioned earlier, FTAs that are out there. And um, So so I, I don't necessarily think that that's going to be at the forefront of all of their thinking, but I think that there are some ongoing conversations that are happening right now to figure out what reforms need to be made in order to, to shore up that body. Okay,
0: makes sense. Well, there's a lot going on, uh, a lot of work to be done in the trade space in the next little while. I want to thank you for joining us. I do have a uh, Toughest question for you though, being from Alabama, working for Miss Sewell, are we ending this on Roll Tide or War Eagle?
1: Is <laughs> is roll tide every day. Uh <laughs> the the defending national championships.
0: <laughs> I was just wanting to make sure and and you know, ruin your chances of running for Senate one day down there. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Thanks, guys. Thank you, Jay. <laughs> we appreciate it. Thanks for joining us.